Good afternoon, and welcome to Voices from the Front Lines, your national movement building show. You're listening to KPFK 90.7 FM, 98.7 FM, Santa Barbara. Today on Voices, we'll be hearing from students and organizers of the Bus Riders Union and Labor Community Strategy Center, both reading a letter sent directly to LUSD just yesterday, calling for no police in LUSD schools and having a conversation around our campaign that we've carried out for the last five years. We always love to hear from you. Please send emails to eric at voicesfromthefrontlines.com or channing at thestrategycenter.org. Please make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at voicesfromthefrontlines.com. I think we know that there's a revolutionary potential now. We also know there's a counter-revolutionary potential that Donald Trump is going to came very close to bringing the United States Army to try to kill people who were protesting. But even some of the generals said they didn't want to do that. There's all kinds of potential right now in Congress. They're trying to pass all these uh, finally restrictions on the police. We're excited that they show is going to help you win something real in the real world in Los Angeles, that we are going to win, that the Los Angeles Unified School District will once and for all shut down the Los Angeles School Police Department, cut the contract with them and take $67 million plus more to focus on the support and retention and encouragement of black students who have been the worst treated in this colonial school system. Now, we send a letter, the way it works is there's still a school board, there's a superintendent. We sent this letter to Superintendent Austin Butner, to board members Jackie Goldberg, board members Monica Garcia, and as you'll see on our website, to every member of the board, saying to them, you must close down the Los Angeles School the Police Department now. Now, that's easier said than done. One of the things the Strategy Center does is we write these long, we call them letters of record. They're written to the school board, but they're also written in ways that they read it if they read it and say, wow, this makes us look very bad. And they got all the facts. And also people in the community are going to read the letter. Very frankly, the main people we wrote this for is you, our listeners, on voices, students in black and Latino schools, black and Latino parents, and people of all races who want to get the police out of the schools now. So we're going to read the letter that we wrote to Superintendent Butner. Then we want you to get a copy of the letter. Go on info at thestrategycenter.org and join the campaign for no police in the schools now. So we're going to start with Channing Martinez, who's going to read sections of the letter, and we're going to keep going. Seize the time. Strategy Center and Bus Riders Union and Taking Action Social Justice Clubs in LA High Schools call on LAUSD to cancel its $67 million contract with the Los Angeles School Police Department and invest those funds to retain 
and attract black students who have suffered the most under the school police system. The Strategy Center, Bus Riders Union, and Taking Action are enthusiastic to work with students deserve and other movement groups to win this victory now. Please read, join our campaign, contribute to support this work, write, call, march to every LUSD board member to support these demands. And this was sent out today, uh, June 8th, uh, 2020, and directly to the LA superintendent and every board member. The Labor Community Strategy Center, Bus Riders Union, and Taking Action Social Justice Clubs in LAUSD high schools are asking you to cancel the $67 million contract with the Los Angeles Police Department and invest those funds in retaining and attracting Black students as we have for the past five years. In Minneapolis, the public school board voted unanimously to terminate its contract with the city's police department on Tuesday in response to George Floyd's death. I firmly believe that it is completely unnatural to have police in schools, school board member Kimberly Caprini said. In Portland, Oregon this week, Superintendent Guadalupe Guerrero announced that he planned to discontinue the presence of Portland Police Bureau officers in the city's largest district and would increase spending on counselors and social workers. We urge you to do the same. In our view, too many public officials in Los Angeles perceive themselves as liberal and as such are slow to respond, even resistant at times, react with hostility to grassroots movements making structural demands beyond what they think is needed. The entire nation is now looking in the mirror. We urge you to provide leadership to end the contract with the Los Angeles School Police Department and invest those funds in retaining and attracting black students now. What we're saying here is that, you know, every time we try to organize, people say, oh, Mayor Garcetti wouldn't do something like that. Jackie Goldberg wouldn't do something like that. Mark Worthy Thomas wouldn't do something like that. Sure, Q wouldn't do something like that. We're not against them. We say, but they did it. And people go, well, yeah, but. But if I said Donald Trump did it, they'd be all over it. That's why we still have police in the schools. That's why we have a $2 billion police budget, the LAPD. That's why people are being shot. Because you, our listeners, do not want to take on the Democratic Party. And that's why they get away with murder. The entire concept of school police is a reflection of a colonialist and racist worldview. Today, the public schools, even with their first efforts, continue the pattern of Indian residential schools in which the goal, or at least the outcome, is the breaking of the spirit subjugation and humiliation of Black and Latinx students to bend to the will of an oppressive white society. We know there are many who do not believe they are perpetuating those pernicious impacts, but we look to the best intention administrators, teachers, and board members to fight for the end of school police in order to stop inflicting pain and racial abuse on Black and Latinx students and families. While we can, of course, enumerate specific abuses of the Los Angeles School Police Department, we are arguing that the daily experience of Black and Latinx students 
being patrolled by armed police creates a terrifying and terrible sense of normalcy that is in itself a cultural and racial assault on the development as human beings and has profoundly traumatic impacts. What's happening now is people say, well, what did the police do wrong? We have plenty to tell you, but we're saying having police in the school for women, black and Latina kids is in itself a civil rights violation. We don't have to say anything they do wrong. Their existence is what's wrong. We also had a productive conversation with the board member, Monica Garcia, who, while not agreeing at the time with our proposal to end the LASPD in the schools, listened with great interest and concern when our student leaders explained that many young girls and women had told them that many LASPD officers were flirting with them, and often they would decide to flirt back in an effort to disarm them. Our leaders, the mass majority of them who are young women, discuss with great anger how the existence of police is already causing personality distortions among young Black and Chicano students who feel they have to either suffer disrespectful behavior, but forth by officers as a joke, or even pretend to agree to avoid greater police intimidation and abuse. Again, these are structural issues of the personality personality development of young Black and Latino women go way beyond disciplining individual officers. It is only by ending the contract with the LASPD that these problems can be solved. Do any of the three or the four women here, have any of you had experience where you feel intimidated by a policeman and some way you try to act really nice or even he may be flirting with you in a certain way as well as threatening you. We know that a lot of the women at Roosevelt and Hawkins said that the police threat, you know, flirt with them as a, you know, and then it puts them in a very uncomfortable position. They really want to say, get the hell out of the school, but they have to flirt back almost. And because the person has a gun, have any of you had that experience in any times in your life? Well, I know personally when it comes to like the harassment and catcalls of older men in public, how like disgusting that feels. So I can only imagine how the students at Roosevelt or Hawkins have felt when it's coming from a police officer who, like you said, is armed and is supposed to be at the schools to protect you, but is instead harassing you. Can I add on to? Yeah, please. When I was attending Augusta the Hawkins High School, I know with the school police, I've never experienced like flirting, but them like trying to push on me, like put a smile on your face, like what's wrong? Like you're at school, like be happy that you're at school. And I know I would always just look at them with even more like, like a, more of a glare, like don't tell me what to do, you know, like you don't know what kind of day I had, you don't know what I'm going through, and for you to try to tell me to just smile and, and you know, to in a sense, give them a good look. Um, to me, it was always, because it, it was never one time either. It was always multiple times of like, like smile, like, hi, welcome to Hawkins. Like, we'll see you throughout the day. And it's just like, okay. But to me, I, I've always felt intimidated being around police officers. Not once have I ever felt safe. I know, yeah, I'm gonna just end it there. And it was just an article today about how the police who try to be your friend get you totally confused because then your brother goes out and gets shot 
and they're trying to put the good face on it. So between the flirting and the pretending to be a friend, it is called a mind F. You know, I mean, they're effing with you, and it's it's very hard. Yeah, I just want to say something about that. That it really reminds me of that film, Set It Off, which is one of my favorite films, where in fact her brother goes out and he's carrying awkwardly a bottle of champagne in his jacket, and he just gets a haircut from one of his friends who have happened to rob the bank, and instead of killing that person, or instead of arresting that person, they end up killing her brother. And there's a whole conversation in the film of how the officer is really treating her as a friend in the beginning of the film, but then ends up shooting her brother and acts as if it's the same thing. And it's such a messed up, you know, psychology that we have to deal with. The Los Angeles school police budget of $67 million per year and $670 million over the next 10 years must be immediately reprogrammed to provide long overdue affirmative action through targeted funding for Black children and their families. Today, Black children are only 8% of the LAUSD school system. Still, there are 50,000 Black students in your system whose lives must be given the highest priority. We all have to look squarely at how Los Angeles' Black population, 750,000 people and 25% of LA City's outcomes to drive Black people out of LA and every urban center are the product of conscious public policy, a massive white backlash against Black workers, speculation in the housing market to make housing unaffordable, government refusal to build high-quality, low-income housing. The central feature throughout has been grotesque anti-Black police practices. From the 1965 Watts Rebellion to the 1992 LA Urban Rebellion to the explosive president George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Trayvon Martin, Black Lives Matter, Get Your Knee Off Our Necks, Defund the Police Rebellion. We hope you will agree that the time is now for the LUSD to defund the LASPD by ending the contract with them. What's happening now is that, you know, the George Floyd murder is, is so shocking because we saw Trayvon Martin, we saw Emmett Till in 1955, which shaped our lives as a different generation. Uh, but I think what's sad and important in this period where everybody now has to have a camera is to just watch uh, a white man kill a black man in public sight, just keeping the knee on the neck. It was a lynching, as other people have said, and we hope it really can move history forward. We need your help to get these damn police out of the LAUSD schools now. Please write to us at info at the strategycenter.org that you want to help. Info at the strategycenter.org. Please get involved in this campaign. It's a life and death struggle. We can't have a killing in the public schools by a policeman. There are many black organizations challenging discriminatory LAUSD school policies that have led to such low proficiency in academic subjects among beautiful black children. We hope you all agree that this is not the 
this is not the fault of the students and their families, but another indictment of the institutional anti-Black, racially discriminatory failure of the U.S. public education, and yes, the LAUSD. It should be obvious that the very existence of any police in the school is a cultural assault, inherently intimidating and traumatic, and a profound impediment to Black student achievement, and yes, the achievement of Latinx students as well. The very existence of school police make a clear statement that the LAUSD believes that LAUSD students, overwhelmingly Black and Latinx, present a threat to the school system and themselves. They are criminalized as a group and are well aware of the trauma of the institutional arrangement. Black parents and grandparents and virtually all dedicated teachers, psychiatrists, and social service providers know the most painful truth, that Black children face a level of societal aggression and violence reflected in the overall concepts of behavior modification and discipline that create a terrifying individual and collective trauma. Today, Black children are policed from the cradle to the grave and too often sent to an early grave because of police violence. Today, Black and Latinx children from preschool on become aware that somehow school and police are virtually inseparable. This separation must be made immediately by canceling the LAUSD contract with the LASPD. Part of what we're trying to do as organizers is change the consciousness of people that have been very oppressed. Imagine you're in preschool and there's police. You're in kindergarten and there's police. We have a very good friend whose child was uh, disciplined by a policeman in preschool, no kidding, in first grade. You've seen that, third grade, kids being handcuffed. It reaches the point where they're trying to make you believe that a school and police are the same thing. We want to break that. There's school over here and there's police over there. We school wants no police and we want the police out of our society altogether. But let's start by getting them out of the schools. We have seen you and board members Monica Garcia and Jackie Goldberg speak eloquently at the MTA board meetings in support of free public transportation for all LAUSD students. We appreciate your acknowledgement of the work of our Bus Riders Union for 20 years of calling for that policy. We were deeply moved by Superintendent Butner's understanding of the destructive impact of MTA present policies that families cannot afford $24 a month cost per student for a bus and rail pass. And we hope you also support our call for free public transportation for their parents, who certainly cannot afford $50 to $100 a month for theirs. All of you address the racial discriminatory underpinning of restricting the travel of LAUSD students and the racial impact of the MTA tickets for the non-existent crime of what the MTA calls fair invasion. We know that it is another reflection on the omnipresent anti-Black police state since 50% of the tickets and arrests on MTA buses and trains are imposed on Black passengers. MTA riders cannot afford the fares and have already paid four half cents sales taxes to give the MTA a $7 billion a year budget. We urge your support on our efforts to stop MTA attacks on Black passengers as well. Many LAUSD students and parents, by supporting our call for the MTA to stop all fare collection and allow those who can pay to do so on the honor system. 
instead of the MTA's present dishonor system. What we're saying is that, you know, 50% or 60% of the people that are on the train who don't pay and who are supposedly caught are black. 50, 60% of the young boys who got willful defiance, suspensions, and expulsions are black. We're going to have to create a situation where any time something happens where more black people suffer than anything, you have to end the whole policy because that's its intention. See, when something has an outcome, that's what you wanted it to be. So if you give all the black kids the tickets, all the black kids the suspensions, all the black kids the homelessness, don't say it's an accident. Don't say it's disproportionate. You planned it that way. And since you planned it that way, big surprise, it ended up that way. In the fall of 2011, our coalition secured directives from the Los Angeles Police Department and Los Angeles School Police Department to end the issuing of tardy truancy tickets and arrests. In February 2012, eight years ago, when an amendment to the LA Municipal Code to stop the LASPD and LAPD from arresting and ticketing students on the way to school for so-called truancy. These repressive policies had pushed students and their parents towards a school-to-jail track rather than a school-to-college, school-to-success track. The strategy center students chanted, hey, LAUSD, I'm pre-med, I'm pre-job, I'm not pre-prison. But why in the world did these policies exist in the first place? Why did it take us years to reverse them? In May 2013, the Strategy Center, Inner City Struggle, Community Coalition, Brother Son Selves, Cadre, Public Council, and others got the LAUSD board to pass the School Climate Bill of Rights. This included rescinding the clearly anti-Black and anti-Black male racially constructed violation called willful defiance. Many board members came to agree that while Black boys are only 4% of the LAUSD students, they receive more than 50% of the discipline, suspensions, and expulsions for willful defiance. We finally convinced you that the category of willful defiance, which for white students was called boys will be boys, was anti-Black on its face. But why did we have to spend more than a decade challenging, thread by thread, a fabric of racism and police abuse that we could never unravel and should never have been constructed in the first place? So on that, we did so much work around, you know, I am a Jew. I grew up in the, in the white schools of Long Island. We got away with all kinds of murder. I cut class. I shoplifted. I smoked, nothing serious, a little shoplifting, but I never, ever got beat up. I never, you know, the, even when I shoplifted, they told me to put it back. I cut class and for a whole year, and the principal said, I'm ashamed of you. That was it. It's nobody can understand what it's like for a black child to always be in trouble, to always get attacked, to always be punished, punished, punished. So willful defiance is nothing more than having some life spirit for a black boy and girl. And yet when white kids 
break the windows, turn over the desk, steal a car. They go, they're just going through a phase. You know, boys will be boys. It's wrong. It's racist. And we got to stop it now. We got to get the police out of the schools. Then in August 2014, shortly after the Ferguson rebellions over the murder of Michael Brown, we learned that the LASPD and LAUSD had, under the Department of Defense 1033 program, obtained one tank, three grenade launchers, and 61 M16 to use against their own students and communities behind the backs of the parents, teachers, and students in civil rights groups, such as ours. So why, when we were negotiating with the board in good faith, were they bringing lethal weapons of destruction to use against protesting Black and Latinx students, parents, and community members? And the answer is they were clearly expecting the mass rebellions that they were that we are seeing today. Remember when the Strategy Center Taking Action Clubs brought 100 students to your board meeting wearing paper mache vests and chanting, students ain't bulletproof, students ain't bulletproof. The LAUSD board walked out and shut down the meeting. The Strategy Center fought another two years on the campaign to end military racism in the LAUSD. In May 2016, we convinced the LAUSD and LASPD to return the weapons, one tank, three grenade launchers, and 61 M16s back to the Department of Defense. We are deeply appreciative of the board members, Monica Garcia, for working with the Strategy Center to issue a public apology to, for the LAUSD actions and to work with Chief Stephen Zipperman to return the weapons. Chief Zipperman demonstrated courage and sincere repentance by returning the weapons and writing an apology to the Strategy Center and the larger community for his actions. He was the only police chief in the U.S. to return the weapons and Arcane was the only one that succeeded in that objective. Of course, after two years of protests. But this still cannot explain why the LAUSD and LASPD chose to bring weapons of community destruction into the school system and why they still have lethal weapons at their disposal. The situation goes away beyond good or bad intentions. The entire institution of school police must go. School police must go. everybody, this is Eric Mann again, the host of KPFK's Voices from the Frontlines, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, and streaming live on the web on kpfk.org. We also want you to go on our website, voicesfromthefrontlines.com, register for our show so you can get the weekly emails about what we're doing and you can also download any of the shows for the last years wonderful wonderful shows but in particular today i want to talk about raising money for kpfk first of all it's interesting because um at a time of black rebellion kpfk is still doing by far the most important coverage we need that also not said enough Anya Fields, the station manager, and Kevin Fleming, the program director, are both black. It's not the biggest thing, but it's not the smallest thing either. We have black leadership now at KPFK, and they're doing a great job, and we fully support them. 
So our organization, the Labor Community Strategy Center, is making a $500 contribution to KPFK. That's a lot for us because we're out trying to raise money at this point, but it's important to give money as well. We don't want to take the station for granted, and we don't want to take the fact that we have a show to do that can talk about getting the police out of school. My wife, Leanne, and I are also going to contribute $250 of our own money. I hope you would match it. If you have an organization, can you contribute 500? If you're uh, more wealthy, can you contribute 500? Would you match the $250? You have to call 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735, where operators will be listening. They can take your credit card. They can take your information. It would mean a lot. Hey, everybody. It's Eric Manigan. Welcome back to Voices from the Frontlines. These are organizers with the Strategy Centers, No Police in the School Campaigns, and we're reading our letter to Superintendent Austin Butner, calling on him to end all police in the school and to end the Los Angeles School Police Department altogether. In rethinking our own history of all this impressive organizing work, by all the organizations mentioned, it raises a terrifying truth. The Los Angeles School District by making those minimal concessions one at a time, each one taking years and years of my time and our time, whether consciously or not, was objectively so recalcitrant that it could only have had the intention of breaking the will of grassroots groups and keeping the existing structures of domination in place. No, our will is not broken, but yes, the racist militarization of the public schools must stop now. You know, I've done this since I came back from the World Conference Against Racism in 2000 and 2001. 20 years to stop the police in the schools. 20 years to stop the attacks on black and Latina children. What are they trying to do? They're going to make it so depressing to do it that a lot of people drop out. First, we get rid of the tickets, but they still keep the willful defiance. Then we get rid of willful defiance, but they still keep the, the, the tanks. Then we get rid of the tanks, and they still keep the police. we got to move faster, folks. I don't mind. I'll do this for my lifetime. But the school police must go now. We know that one of our closest allies, Students Deserve, is also calling to defund the LASPD, and that many other groups want to join this campaign. We understand that this will require a coalition effort. Having had such a long history of working with the LAUSD board and eventually reaching positive outcomes, we hope to have a conversation with you as part of a process of expanded input. We urge you to end the contract with the LASPD immediately and make a commitment that you will terminate the LASPD contract and execute its implementation rapidly. We hope to hear from you. Eric Mann, Barbara Lott Holland, Channing Martinez, Bridget Amaya, Gianna Magdaleno, Kim Rochow, Angela Soriano, Cassandra Soriano, and Sophia Tillmans, organizers of the No Police in the LAUSD Schools campaign. So folks, 
We read you the letter. The, you heard the voices, the first voice that was, you just heard Channing Martinez, Bridget Amaya, Angelus Soriano, Cassandra Soriana, Kimberly Rochelle. We're a team. We're with the Labor Community Strategy Center. A lot of our listeners send in letters one at a time. We need, please, at least 15 or 20 of you that want to work with us. You know, Black Lives Matter has some really great organizers. The Strategy Center has great organizers. We need 15 or 20 people to work with us now to get rid of the police department in the schools. If you're a teacher, we have teachers, Strategy Center teachers for no police. If you're a high school student, especially black and Latina high school student already somewhat active, write to info at the Strategy Center and say, I want to work with you and possibly be in your summer intern program for transformative organizers. Please find ways to work with us at info at the strategycenter.org. There are going to be school board meetings again. Other groups are involved, but the Strategy Center needs your help. You can go on the website at www.thestrategycenter.org. And we really not just love to hear from you, we desperately want to hear from you. On Instagram, it's at Fight Soul Cities. And you can reach me at Eric Mann Speaks at both Twitter and Facebook. Last thoughts from everyone on the panels, one minute each, and then we're going to do a fundraising appeal. Bridget, you go first. So like we shared, we have been fighting to remove the school police for the past five years. And, you know, right now, as we're seeing it, you know, a lot of people want to defund the police. I want people, a lot of people want to get, a lot of people want to defund the police and a lot of people want to reform the police, but we need to remove these police from our school campuses, especially our black and brown schools. Our students have experienced so much criminalization and sexual harassment. We're at the point where we're, te we're preparing our students to be criminals instead of being college students, our future doctors, lawyers, our future organizers. We, we need to change our black and brown students' mindset to think more highly of themselves and that they can succeed out in the real world where it's harsh. Great. Kim, what's it feel like as a young black woman at this point in history? What's going on in your mind? What's going on in your life? Well, I'd say being a part of this program and like seeing the work that you guys have done and that we that I got involved in with last summer. Like, this is nothing new. This has been going on for years. And people have brought up, like, solutions and brought about the problems that's going on. So I feel like with so many people being involved in the protest and the, the movements that's going around now, we should keep that same energy and, like, start strategically planning how are we going to take down the system and reform perform it to where it finally works for us. Yeah, it's interesting. First you said you want to reform it, then you want to take it down. Which one do you want to do? Well, I feel like we have to take it down and then we're going to build it to where it finally works for us. Exactly. Okay. 
Yeah. Because we take it down, then we have a chance to, instead of rebuild it, we can build what we want. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we have good ideas. We could make something beautiful happen. But we have to take down the system. And we're not afraid to say that. That's what we're working for. You can't reform the system. We, we don't think we haven't tried. Angelus, what are you thinking? What are you feeling right now as part of this campaign? Um, I think that it's something necessary. Like, we've been talking about it for a long time. We've been gathering, like, information about how it not only impacts middle school and high school, but also elementary school, schools as well, how you were talking about the pre-K. And especially now, I think a lot of more, a lot more people are more open to the idea of, you know, um, defunding or taking out the police as well. So I'm kind of hopeful that um, more people will join the campaign and, you know, just take the police out. Please write to me at info at the strategy org. I feel like this is something necessary that everyone needs to hear, um, especially because they don't see how much police affects, like, students in school. Like, I'm glad I don't go to an LAUSD school that has, like, a lot of policemen around. And so I feel like it's important to take them out and create just a better environment for these students just to change their mindset. Like Bridget was saying, like, this isn't, like, this isn't the end for you, you know? Like, you're, you're not going to be limited anymore. Like, we need to be able to rearrange the budget. Like, I remember one of the slogans was counselors, not cops. And I feel like that's especially what everyone needs to hear and what we need, especially during this time for the new generations. Please write to me at info at the strategycenter.org. All right. Channing, lost thoughts? Well, this is a really great letter. And I do want to say about the girls, don't take them for granted. They went out last summer three days a week, eight hours a day, collecting postcards, getting membership, collecting donations. In one weekend, they got 200 postcards from the Central Avenue Jazz Festival, 100 each day. They pushed themselves after the whole summer and they were fed up and they pushed themselves and they got people to support this campaign. And they went head to head with people that didn't disagree with them. And the people we, didn't agree with them. <laughs> they went head to head with people who disagreed with them. Yeah. And you know, that took a whole summer to train, right? We did, we trained them, um, you know, we were teaching theory through practice. And now this summer we're trying, we're going to pick it up again. And now we're going to teach uh, practice through theory, <laughs> the opposite, right? Um, and so don't take them for granted. They're warriors and they know how to organize and they know how to take you on, number one. Uh, number two, you know, this, this letter truly goes down into one of the histories of famous strategy center I, dare I say, war letters, <laughs> um, where, you know, we, we realize that this is a war. And when we say in the letter, but why did we have to go back and try to dismantle this piece of fabric, this racist piece of fabric, thread by thread, 
as in LAUSD, you know exactly what you're doing. You know that when you give us a piece, you're already hiding another piece that you're trying to, that you know we're going to discover eventually. So you might as well just bring it out of the damn closet. <laughs> uh, those are my thoughts. Uh, we definitely need to hear from you. We definitely need your help. And, you know, we've been working on this campaign in particular in the in the particular framing for the last five years, but we've been working on the school to prison pipeline for the last 15 years. And we're trying a lot of new things, right? We're starting a new group of teachers in support of no police in LAUSD schools. Um, we want you to become a member of the Strategy Center and we want you to click on our website right now and click on the page that says call LUSD board to urge them to implement this campaign because we need as many calls as possible because our lives are being disrupted. We need to disrupt their lives and make them know, make, make sure they know that this cannot be business as usual. That's great. You know, I've done this work my whole life. Um, it's very painful to me that in 1964, when I joined the Congress of Racial Equality, there were 200,000 people in prison. And, you know, maybe 50 million, 50, there were 200,000 people in prison. And maybe 50 or 60,000 were black, which was terrible. Today, there's 2.2 million people in prison. You understand that? Another 2 million. And 200,000 are women, many of whom are black. So no, things have not gotten better. Things have gotten worse, even after the civil rights movement and the civil rights bill and the Voting Rights Act. That's why we're really saying that we need a real revolution in this country because every time it tries to do something, the white people in particular and the right wing take it away from people. This is an opportunity where we don't want to reform the Los Angeles School Police Department, we want to make it go away. We want it shut down altogether. Again, this is listener-sponsored radio. Channing and I do this show. We urge you to call us at info at thestrategycenter.org. Write us. Send us your phone number. We will call you back. A lot of you said you want to do something more for black people, including hopefully our black listeners. This is a great opportunity. We can win this. That's what we want to hear. Why am I choosing to do a fundraising drive for the station at a time when Black Lives Matter needs money, the Strategy Center needs money? Because everybody's out there raising money right now. There's enough money to go around, even for each of us, to give to many different organizations. But we can't forget our own radio station because without KPFK, the most independent voices will not be heard. Channing and I are doing a lot of this remotely on Zoom. We have our own microphones. We've been in studio with these three, four young, terrific young women who you, who you met already. Bridget Amaya, Kim Michelle, Angela Soriano, Cassandra Soriano. We do this out of our own time. It takes hours and hours. But the station needs money to operate. It needs a rent. When we go back live, there's going to be a big financial gap. Don't take it for granted right now. Don't be listening to KPFK and say, wow, that's good. They're not having a lot of fund drives. 
Well, they're not having a lot of fund drives because it's difficult to organize it remotely. But the rent is not being suspended, folks. Salaries need to be paid. Uh, and they're not very expensive salaries. So please, 818-985-5735, please contribute $250 to match Leanne, Hurst, Mann, and myself, $500 to match the Labor Community Strategy Center. I do know that this fund drive just raised $750. How do I know? Because I contributed, we contributed. So that we know. Couldn't we get two or three or four or five other A vote of confidence for Anyel Fields, a vote of confidence for Kevin Fleming, and a vote of confidence for Channing Martinez and Eric Mann, and our show Voices from the Frontlines. 818-985-5735. And also send us an email at info at the Strategy Center of Oregon and say, I did make that contribution. Hey everybody, it's Eric Manigan. Welcome back to Voices from the Frontlines. So on Friday, the YJC is doing something, right? I mean, the Strategy Center, we already said what the Strategy Center is doing. Tell us about the Youth Justice Coalition. You've been on the call. Bridget's been on the call. What's happening? So on Friday, and there's a flyer going up today, so it might have gone out by the time you hear this, hear my voice, but YJC is leading a youth-led march and rally an open mic for Black Lives by and for youth and families impacted by police, incarceration, and state violence. So in other words, they're taking on the whole, the whole incarceration system. Um, and we were just on a planning meeting uh, yesterday, and it was a great planning meeting where youth were leading their part and the adults unfortunately had to leave all the logistics <laughs> uh, which is totally fine you know I, i'm used to doing the logistics but the youth got all the fun stuff like speeches and posters and chants and all that good stuff that's that's cool well you see isn't the thing about the, the trouble with youth organizing channing is you get kicked out at 32. you get kicked out at 20. Well, how, how old do you have to be that's the oldest you can be 25. Right. So, man, you're, you're already in a whole nother generation. Yeah, so, I'm still youth according to the United Nations. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, there's a joke that in, in the Communist Party of China, you're youth until you're about 70. Oh, wow. It's sort of about, you know, their, their concept of aging and whatever, whatever. So, um, so what are they doing? So Bridget Amaya, one of our organizers, is planned, who you heard on this um, presentation, she's playing a role. She's going to be speaking. Tell me more. What are they? What are they trying to do? I don't understand. Should I, can our listeners come? Is it a Zoom call? Is it live? I I don't even understand. It's actually in person. They're meeting at City Hall at one p.m. 
Cool. And it is going to be a march where we're going from City Hall. And I don't remember all the stops, but I know that we're ending at um, Twin Towers, downtown LA. The Twin Towers being the, uh, the, the prisons. That's right. Absolutely right. Yeah. And YJC is Youth Justice Coalition. Coalition. Now, you've been doing more work with them lately, is that right? A little bit more work. We've been in coalition for a long time. And, you know, the most recent uh, rally that I can remember that we actually did with YJC was actually not a rally at all, but we were in the King Parade as part of a larger delegation. Um, And it's actually a funny story because they had us waiting for three and four hours before we even started marching. And so we all, being so young, were so distressful and just started jumping in front of people (laughs) and marched all the way, almost to the front, um, because we had been there for four hours sitting in the hot sun, 90 degrees outside. And, you know, you can imagine like 150 folks just marching and we that was when we had our loud uh, bullhorns and our whole drum and chant crew um, and you know chanting in a very rhythmic way to tell the system to stop their genocide against us so that was our last rally but we work with them inside the brother sense fellows coalition inside the uh, inside the push la coalition inside of a lot of other coalitions as well well, for our listeners, what we, you need to understand is that the Strategy Center is what we call a movement-building organization. And I was just talking to Maria Brenes of Inner City Struggle, with whom I talked. There's Orea Montez Rodriguez at Community Coalition. Uh, talked to David Turner at Brothers Themselves. We're all on the phone talking to each other as, of course, there's... Uh, Dr. Molina Abdullah of Black Lives Matter. And there's Pete White, who I was just talking to at Los Angeles Community Action Network. And then Barbara went to the event that Black Lives Matter organized the other night. And Barbara Lott Holland, our associate director, and she spoke about our demands about stopping the MTA from enforcing the fares because there's such racial profiling that it's not about enforcing fares. It's about another example of going after black people. But the point is, Barbara's out meeting people, and you're out meeting people, Channing, and uh, Bridget's out meeting people, and we had the five interns. So I do think it's pretty good. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's pretty optimistic that we have our attentions. There's also, by the way, going to be one thing that we want our listeners to understand is that one reason it's important to contribute to a lot of groups including KPFK, by the way, is because there's competition with groups over money, and there shouldn't be. I mean, there's no reason why all the groups doing good work should not be funded at the level to do their work. So start giving more regularly to, to groups that you believe in and pick five or six groups or seven groups and then become a regular sustainer so they can count on the money. And that gets you back to KPFK. Um, I don't know. They, I should know if they have a sustainer program. I'm sure they do. You can write to kpfk.org. But you're on Voices from the Frontlines, and you just heard earlier 
that the strategy center, the labor community strategy center, is contributing $500 to KPFK. And my wife, Leanne, and I are going to contribute another $250 to KPFK, which we end up doing at least twice, if not three times a year. What you start to realize is as, as a director, and you're always raising money, is you start realizing you want to be a donor too. You want to give to groups. It's not just asking other people for money. It's giving money to people. I think if there's one thing we learned out of the George Floyd murder and other things is that in the 60s, people gave their lives. The least you could do is give money outside your comfort zone. You know, if you've normally given a $50 contribution, give 250 If you're normally given 250 give 500 Can you find 1000 Can you find your friends? Because giving money to causes is one of the best things you can do. How are you doing about becoming a fundraiser, Channing? I've been doing more fundraising. Um, I don't like fundraising. I have to stop saying that because you have to speak what you want to be into the universe. And so I have to start saying I am a fundraiser and I'll start fundraising better. But I've been taking a lot more leadership in the fundraising realm. And I have been working with a few of our foundations that have been funding the Strategy Center. And then, you know, as you say, the Strategy Center is also starting or restarting its sustainer program. And so we've had for many years the tradition at the end of the year and somewhere in the middle around political party of writing to people and asking them uh, for money, for their donations, right? And you know, it's, it is almost like Sun Tzu's art of war or some or, or it is strategy because you can't just say, hey, we're so bad and we've done this and give us money because no one's going to give you money. <laughs> um, it is really a strategy of trying to talk and organize folks on a whole different level. And how do you organize money? Um, and so that's the skills I'm trying to learn. Well, you know, it's funny, Channing, because, you know, you're a sort of a reluctant revolutionary, you know. You didn't want to be a candidate but you're a great one. You don't want to be a fundraiser, but you're a great one. Or you can, no, you're not, you, but you'll be a good one. You got to want it. I think you're absolutely right. You got to, I like fundraising. Because um, organizing is always about either asking somebody for something. It's not any different. Whether you're asking somebody to come to a meeting, you're asking somebody to do a job at a rally, you're asking somebody to, to, to make a sacrifice, you're asking somebody, you know, for money for the work because you're so good at this, I mean, you would certainly have no problem, like I know you, you'd have no problem jumping on the roof and fixing it. You'd have no problem, right? You have no problem. If there's, if there's 30, 50 people coming to the strategy that you have no problem setting up 18 hours to decorate the whole place. You wouldn't even think about it because you just know what needs to be done. You have a great attitude. You have a great work ethic. So I think that's how to think about everything is that, it's just my job. Well, Leanne said, it's my calling. And then you just get, you, you get your ego out of the way of it and you just do it because it's needed to be done. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is the vision. You know, once you get someone behind a vision, then we'll support it. 
Um, and if you don't support the vision, then even if you're the most expert thing at what's being asked, you're still not going to want to do it because you don't support the vision. Exactly. So what we're listening to, folks, is two tired organizers who have been up very late working on our letter to the board, which we spent, oh man, I spent, I swear I spent 12 hours writing that. It took so many drafts, so many drafts. My wife Leanne helped me with it. Channing read a draft. Uh, I must have done six drafts myself. Just You just understand it. Oh, that was too hard. That was too soft. That was, oh, I forgot to mention her. Well, that's not what I really meant to say. And then you have to organize it in some different, and then there's, how do you organize your thoughts? And uh, I enjoy writing. I enjoy writing a lot. I do. It's, um, it's getting clear on what you want to say, first of all, which is not easy. And then it's getting clear on how do you say it? And you look at a sentence and you find sentences really interesting. My sentences are very long because they're like, a, they're like a strategy document, you know, and then you have to shorten them up and break them up. Anyway, hey, listeners, isn't this the most fascinating conversation you've ever had on Voices from the Frontlines? All right, so listeners, here's the point. Seriously. You know every week I ask you for stuff, right? Write to Eric at VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com. Write to Channing at TheStrategyCenter.org. This time it's saying write to info at TheStrategyCenter.org because you want to get involved in the No Police in the Schools campaign that we have a chance to win. Give money to KPFK, 818-985-5735. Give money to other civil rights causes that need your help. Figure out every way that you can be not just part of the solution, but the best version of yourselves. Because there's a chance to really win some very important things. And to make sure that a policeman, well, I can't say we'll never do it, but the next time a policeman does it, they just might be a little afraid that someday one will put them in prison. Yes, I believe in that. And number two, someday they ain't gonna have that job. This is your host, Eric Mann. And Channing Martinez here on Voices from the Frontlines.com. And as we always tell you, all power to the people. Oh, it's